I'm excited to introduce screenwriter and songwriter Kate Hewlett, who wrote the film The Swearing Jar, which premiered at Toronto International Film Festival in 2022 and was nominated by Writers Guild's Award for Best Feature Film Screenplay. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. So why don't we start off with what was your road into writing? So I started as an actor and I would say I always wrote my whole life. I wrote poetry and I wrote little stories and um, I wouldn't even say short stories, but little stories. And I so I always had that as an outlet, but I never considered it as a career until I went to the National Theatre School in Montreal as an actor. And I took a playwriting course there and I just like, it was just like vomiting out of me all the time. And I actually started working on Swearing Jar, Swearing Jar when I was there. So there are certain scenes that were written in like 2003 that, that ended up in the movie. Wow. And, and this movie started out as a play. It did. And can you talk me through why, why did you decide to write it as a play? I started in theater and that was my world. I didn't really know about TV writing or film writing until much, much later. And I just, I guess the characters, I started by writing the characters and the whole process was like 20 years. I would not recommend it. <laughs> Creatively enjoyable, but you know, not the most economical. Um, so I started building the characters, figuring out who they were. I started writing scenes. It originally was a play about a couple struggling to have a baby and it, it changed and changed and changed. And I found the story through writing it, if that makes any sense. And I always in my head imagined it as a movie, but I, that's how I see things in, in my brain. I, I don't often picture them on stage. I picture them as real life. And so I imagined it as a film, but I didn't think I should make this as a film until the play was done and had been staged many times and published. And every time I watched the play, I was like, it's not quite what I want it to be. And I don't know why. And then when we started working on it as a movie, I was like, oh, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, because a uh, play very different from a movie. Maybe we'll just dive into the movie part of it. When did you decide, like, at what point did you go, okay, I'm going to write this as a film, and then how long did it take you to finally complete the draft, or, or were you pretty quick to completing it because it was a play, so it was easier to just flush it out into the script? It's interesting because the the film script in the end, what what's on the, the screen is actually very, very similar to the play in the end because the director pulled back on the supporting characters quite a lot so the play is just carrie simon owen and beth that's it and in, in when you watch the movie it really does feel like they're the ones who are speaking and they're the ones who have the focus and all of that um but sorry which which question am i answering at this moment oh um i'm fine <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, I was just wondering at what point did you decide to start writing it right. as a film? And then how long did it take you to to do that? Right. So I actually started working on the screenplay in 2014, I would say. Uh, I started adapting it into a screenplay and it went through many different um, iterations because 
at first I tried to go way off what the play was and make it as cinematic as I could. And then I ended up pulling it way back. So I guess over it, it, it took me about five years, I would say, to write it and be happy with what I had and write more music as well. I wrote more songs for the feature and what else changed? I guess I added to the relationship between Owen and Carrie that that grew and the mother character grew and I got to explore the daughter and I got, you know, it, it, people that we talked about in the play but didn't get to meet. Uh, so that so it was it was a long process, but funnily enough, you know, again, like it ended up being quite similar to the play. I'm not real familiar with plays and how they're written. Are they similar to a screenplay written in the same format or a little different? Different format. Yeah. The the it's funny how the formatting put me off for a long time. Like I was like, oh, I can't write a movie because I don't know how to physically write a movie. And once I downloaded this free TV and film writing program, I was like, oh, it's kind of easy. Not easy, but, you know, easy to, to format the thing. And then I bought Final Draft. And um, so then the formatting is, you know, it's 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 the look of it on the page, really, that's different. And also the biggest difference is for me in, in theater, you can have one scene that's the entire play. In film and TV, you want the scenes to be generally less than three pages so that was a challenge was cutting into those scenes and figuring out uh you know is there a time cut here is it a totally different scene are we just jumping from location to location but a lot of the conversations are the same if that makes sense how did you come up with the title the swearing jar i get that it's in the film did it have a deeper meaning for me the swearing is about uh, it's about, so I guess it's a few things, you know, just trying to improve yourself, trying to become a new version of you, which is really what the story is about with her, uh, with Carrie. I think also swearing, uh, as, as opposed to, you know, the swearing like shit and all that, um, that there's also this uh, concept of vowing, uh, you know, a vow, swearing, swearing a truth. And it helped, it sort of tied into the lying. Yeah, there's a lot of lies and uh, what a lie does to your life and all of that. So I thought that all tied in nicely. What you're talking about without spoiling it, like about, you know, there there is this sense that when you're watching it, you really feel like you're watching someone cheating um, on her husband. And that was very intentional. And it's the same in the play because I really want the audience to be judging her and to be like, what are you? doing and what you know why are you doing that and um I just that was really important to me because I think if you if you know what's going on you don't see her the same way you go into it a different way and I I really wanted her you know she's judging herself she feels like a bad person she feels like she's cheating and I wanted the audience to very much be on that journey with her but then with uh Kathleen Turner's character which is amazing she she's an amazing actress um, I love. Yeah, so can't believe that happened. What? How did you get her? She read the script. We were going to her agency for somebody to play Carrie, and the agent said, "My client is passing on this, but can I send it to Kathleen Turner for this other part?" And we were like, uh, "Yes." And she liked the script. That was it. She was the first person who was actually attached. 
Well, and I love how she talks about like kind of the theme through the movie's affair in one sense or another, uh, especially like with Kathleen Turner's character where she says, well, my husband left me and we find out later and I won't say what happened, but this theme of judgment, you know, how we judge people for their actions and or or what we think is happening and we have no idea yeah, the definitely. actuality. And I loved how you played on that throughout the film in different ways with the different characters. Which is betrayal, like you said. It's 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 the lies. Yeah. It's the betrayal. And the fact that we all do that, right? Like we all tell as much as we want to be honest, we all tell small lies. And then sometimes there are big lies and sometimes there are other betrayals. And, you know, everyone's so busy judging other people and instead of looking at what they're doing and their own behavior. So that was important to me, too. Like, she made him a promise that she broke. And he made her a promise that he broke. And, you know, it's just... Uh, I think that's the journey in, in the movie for the main character is she's looking at that. She's looking at why he did what he did. And did she give him permission in a way to to do that? So, yeah, talking around it. But but yeah, I'm fascinated by that. I, I'm I think betrayal is one of the big things that fascinated me. And another one was um, what happens if there really is only one person for you? what happens if that doesn't work out for whatever reason and there really isn't another one that was where it all started actually and then you know there's hope fortunately there was like a more hopeful side of it of like maybe there is another one maybe i do have two loves of my life maybe uh yeah and i don't know that that's answered and that that's intentional but um that's where it all started really was that idea of like what happens if it doesn't work out and you lose that one person that you're meant to be with. Yeah. And also, when somebody else is presenting themselves, can you let yeah. them in? And why do we hold ourselves back from love yes. again? Or another type of yeah. love. Yeah. And it's never the same, right? It's never going to be the same. Yeah. And it's hard not to compare. So... I I haven't lost a partner like that, uh, but uh, you know there there are ways in which I relate to having to get over this thing that you saw as perfect. You know, I thought it was really well done. So, how involved were you in the swearing jar once the film was completed? And can you just tell us how it got from okay, this is the film to somebody saying here's some money do the film so when the screenplay was written I, I teamed up with a director first who ended up not being the director that who directed the film um but she and I were the first two that really went for it with this particular script and we took it to a number of different producers and the producer that we felt the most excited about it and who was the most excited about the project also happened to be married to my brother. So that's convenient. And she really wanted to have her first feature under her belt. She had done lots of other producing, but this was her first feature on her own. So we teamed up with her 
And then along the way, you know, it's so, so, so hard to get a movie made in Canada. And as the project went through so many different rejections and we couldn't get funding multiple times from, from, um, telefilm, you know, like we, we got rejected so many times and it was just like lots and lots of rejection and we had multiple different casts along the way. And then we lost uh, our director because she just exploded and she moved to LA and, you know, then we had another director who was amazing and she couldn't do it in the, like, we just, you know, it, it just takes so long to make it happen. We had so many different versions of this with, with, that would have been completely different movies. Finally, when it happened, that was with Jane Lohman, who was the producer, and this director that she found, and who I hardly had any decision making there. But I'm so happy that with what she did, I'm so happy with the visual element that she brought to it, because I don't see things that way. I, I hear the words, and I know the rhythm, and I know all of that. But she saw the pictures, and she made it so beautiful. I, I thought it was so beautifully shot. And we bring different things to it, you know? And um, so I wasn't highly involved. I was I was very involved with the casting. And that was a really fun part of it, I would say. Well, um, let's just stop there with some of the casting that yeah. you had here. You had uh, Adelaide Clemens, who was amazing, amazing voice, amazing singer. Uh, Patrick Adams, best known from Suits. I mean, he was great. Kathleen Turner, amazing. And then Douglas Smith, who played Owen. I mean, he was so cute and adorable and so nice. Yeah. He was great. I yeah. mean, he really cast it very well. Yeah. How did you find absolutely. all of them? I mean, honestly, we had four different casts. I, I could I could tell you, you know, I, I get in trouble, but I could tell you all these different versions that we had and how different they would have all been. And, and, the actress that we had attached was amazing for so long. And then through scheduling, that didn't work. Adelaide won the part by auditioning. And she's a very successful, very talented actress. And I was honored that she did a tape for us. And, you know, she's Australian. She was doing an American accent. She was singing on camera for the first time. She, everyone who watches it say she channeled me, but I, I don't see that. But she... She apparently channeled me and we didn't know each other. So that's that's kind of I guess that's just the rhythm of the of the dialogue that she she got. Um, but she's she's beautiful. She did the most beautiful job. So, yeah, that was just through casting through through um, Nicole Hillier Ford here and a wonderful casting director in Los Angeles. And they just worked and worked and worked with Jane, the producer. And we we had self tapes from lots of people, Patrick J. Adams and Douglas Smith were both offer only I believe so they didn't audition so that's terrifying because you're like I know they're good but are they good at this character and Kathleen Turner obviously didn't audition so yeah Adelaide was the only one of all those people who we actually got to see what she wanted to do with the character and then when we did the first read through which was on Zoom because COVID uh, that was a highlight to just hear everyone and I, I couldn't believe I mean Kathleen Turner was hilarious right off the bat and everyone was so good Patrick J Adams broke my heart in this in this movie and I I just I just thought he I loved working with him as well because he asked so many questions and there were things that he's like I don't I don't understand why he's doing this I don't understand why 
you know, he's kind of being a dick in this situation and why is, and he, he asked all those questions. And because I had sat with this material for so long, I knew the answers and I knew why it was the way it was. And he, it was just wonderful having those conversations with him. Um, and I just thought he did such a beautiful job with it because he was so funny and so charming but there was clearly always something else going on with him. Yes. I, I felt like there's something, there's a secret going on with him and I can't figure out what it is. But, you know, later it reveals itself. But I thought that that was really, he played it so well. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And it's hard. It's a hard part that and I've watched in every theatrical production I was involved with. I've watched those actors struggle because, and do be beautiful work but struggle with getting there because it's not really their story. It's her story. And we're seeing her perception of what's going on, but he has to make sense of his story within that, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. You got to be involved in casting. W was uh, the director, Lindsay McKay, not involved yet? Or was she there too? And she was highly, highly involved. Yeah. She ran all the auditions. Sorry. It was, it was, those auditions were sort of orchestrated by the producer and the casting director, but all the decisions were made by Lindsay and Jane, I would say. Um, and then I weighed in on everything. And I think, I mean, I there wasn't a single decision I wasn't happy with. I, I really, really liked um, who they went with in the end. Um, but no, Lindsay was very involved. She worked with a ton of actors in their auditions. And she always met with people and chatted with them, saw if she had a rapport with them before agreeing to work with them, which is really important. Smart. I didn't even think about that because you never know on set how, you know, are they going to take direction or not? <laughs> you know? Totally. And it was a short shoot. I think they shot in like 19 days wow. or something in Hamilton. And um, so Adelaide and Patrick, that rapport was instant. I mean, they shot all of their scenes I think first and it was just just all of them were just such professionals it was it was really amazing I I so to answer your earlier question I was supposed to be on set but uh, my my dumb baby came three weeks early and so I missed the whole thing and and uh, I think you know it's a good thing for everyone involved not just because I quite like the baby but um also Lindsay I think it was good for me to not be on set I have you know, I have all the lines in my head and how they should sound. And, you know, if someone if someone changes a word, that sort of thing, I'm, I'm with this particular script quite precious because everything has taken so long to choose. Um, and I feel like I would have gotten in the way sometimes. And in the end, every decision she made was the right one. So not that not that any like a lot of words didn't change, but I think she let them explore and. I think that's really important. So I'm I'm glad I wasn't there being, um, you know, being controlling. Yeah, and and <laughs> what did you feel like the end? Did you feel like were you, I'm sure you were happy with the end result of the film? Um, it, were there any parts where you were feeling like, wow, this was even better than I conceived this? Yes. Yeah, I think there were several places where during the shooting of it, I watched dailies sometimes and I was sometimes afraid that it wasn't funny enough because the the script is it really is a comedy and until it's not a comedy and um I was afraid that 
it was too depressing or that it was kind of tipping the fact that it might go somewhere else. And I, I was worried about all of that. And then when I saw it, I just think she nailed it. She nailed it because it's just honest all the way through. And you go on that journey with them and you you buy it when it when it shifts. You buy it, you know? And on stage, what used to happen with the theater production was that the audience would be laughing their asses off. And then it would turn. And sometimes it worked like gangbusters. And sometimes it didn't work. It felt like we signed up for a comedy. And now you're trying to force feed us to tragedy. And we don't want it. And, and it, it there was like, like one of the, the worst review I ever got said that it was manipulative. And they didn't go on, you know, like they didn't, they didn't like that it was manipulative. And um, it's interesting, right? With the film, you control what they're seeing. It's not changing based on the vibe in the room. It's, it's, it's been created. The story exists and you watch it, you witness it. Um, and I think it works way better. Yeah. No, the flow of it, uh, the intertwining, the different um, characters, uh, and storylines, uh, and then how you beautifully brought it all together and gave it meaning. Because at first you're watching it going, what is going on? Like, oh my God. Yeah. And then later you find out some other things. I just love the twist and how you took us on a journey that we thought was this way and then find out that it's a reversal and it's something different. And then it just made me have to think about a lot of the stuff and just like, Oh my God, that meant this and this meant that. And it just, it was powerful, very powerful, which made me want to bring you on and talk about that. You know, <laughs> it's funny because I can always tell when someone hasn't watched the whole thing or hasn't read the whole thing because of the way that it changes, right? And there have been, there have been times and there have been comments. I can't remember what it was, but one, there's one interview I did and I was like, well, this is hilarious because they definitely didn't watch the whole thing because they were like, it's so funny. I found it such a funny comedy and, I, and they didn't. And I was like, which is OK. I'm happy it's funny, but um, they definitely didn't watch the whole thing. And and uh, I've also had there are certain comments online or reviews or whatever where you're like, I don't think you watched the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I just I remember thinking I've got to watch this again to see it again. Because you you have to go back and see where the nuances were. Like, where did yeah. I not catch this? You know? Um, but I thought it was really well done. And uh, your main character, Adelaide, has a beautiful voice. Did you write the songs for her? No. I wrote the songs for me. <laughs> I, wrote the, I wrote the character. And I never do this, but I wrote the character for me to play. And then I was way too old by the time we actually got it made I was way too old but um I I wrote the songs for myself and uh and then as as it went on I I wrote them for various productions or various directors um if they'd say like we need a song here can you do another duet or we need like our you know like May the Fourth was a was a later addition in the theater process May the Fourth was added later and they wanted kind of like a stirring anthem that was with both characters um and then for the movie i wrote the song slowly uh with the it's 
is this a spoiler? Oh, when Owen and and Carrie get together for the first time, there's like candles and it goes back and forth between them and the concert. That song was written for the movie, and a couple of other ones. Oh, the swearing song was written for the movie. That's not in the play. Then the little song that Owen sings to her in the park. That's a new one as well that I wrote for the film. Oh, wow. So the way that I write a song is I write the lyrics. I come up with the melody. I record my voice. I record all the harmonies also with my voice. Like So I find the chords that way. And then I give the melody and the lyrics to um, a proper musician who can accompany them. And they do that. So so Chris Stanton, who uh, is, is credited with writing, co-writing two of the songs with me for the movie, we worked on the play together many, many, many times. He played Owen. Like every single time we did the play, he played Owen. And he did all the arrangements of the guitar for all of those versions. And then those arrangements, you know, were, were heavily influential to the film as well. Wow. It's so amazing when somebody's multi-talented, you know, acting, songwriting, writing, you know, (laughs) so many things that you do. And you predominantly write for television. Uh, Do you want to talk about your latest project that you're working on, Sing Out? And tell us where... Sure, yes. Yeah, tell us a little about what it's about and then uh, where you're at with it. Yes, so I am working on a comedy called Sing Out for AMC Studios and Shaftesbury they are involved now on the Canada side of things and um, my writing partner his name is Andrew Musselman he's an old friend of mine and we are having a blast and he once joined a gay choir when we were roommates and he was telling me lots of stories about it and I was like he was talking about like the process of coming out and how it was helping him come out and find his true self and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This needs to be a television show. Let's write it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so the show is about a lesbian choir and a gay choir that are forced to merge. And it's all the infighting within the LGBTQ community is sort of what we're, uh, we're doing like a waiting for Guffman with choirs. So it's very, very fun. Um, But it also does delve into the you know issues within the community and um some some deeper there's there's some deeper stuff going on there as well in the, pro- the process of like owning your identity and, and all of that yeah um when you when you wrote me about that i was thinking oh my god this is i hope it's a comedy because this would it be sure hilarious <laughs> um yeah as you said writing right uh waiting for guffman yeah so it's yeah. so are you thinking it more mockumentary style it's not okay. mockumentary style, no. It's uh, it's it's definitely um, yeah. There's like the fourth wall is not broken, um, and it's it's shot like a it's going to be shot like a a regular comedy, um, fast paced and sort of gritty, a little gritty, and um, yeah. We haven't we we're still in the writing process. We're still developing it, so we'll see if we actually get to move forward. But we've written two episodes and. And then we wrote a um, Greg's uh, of the guitars wrote um, the music to a hymn that we wrote the lyrics to for one of the episodes, and we submitted that as well. So we're having a, we're having a lot of fun. Oh, that's great! Uh, so, yeah. what is your writing process? How do you like? Um, I guess if you're writing for television, 
you're really writing in the style of whatever the show is. So you have a format that you have to stick to versus this, uh, the swearing jar, your first feature film, um, where you have to come up with the ideas. So how, how is it writing for other people's shows? I love writing for other people's shows. Actually, I really enjoy having to take on somebody else's voice, somebody else. It's sort of like acting, right? Like you're, you're taking on their voices and their, their style and their sense of humor and um, you know i wrote on corner gas animated and like i never write that style of comedy but it was so much fun to to figure that out and um yeah just every show is so different i've done i've done teen shows i've done like a little bit of darker stuff and it's just it's i really enjoy it the other thing i love is that it's so collaborative because you're in a writer's room and you're all working together and bouncing ideas off each other and that's my absolute favorite part of it i i can't stand being in a room by myself trying to figure out a show that is not enjoyable to me i really need having i need to have other brains how how much time do you have to write an episode so when a tv show is up and running you have to write pretty quickly it, it's um i mean sometimes you have to write a draft in a few days if you're in trouble <laughs> if the train is catching up then you then you have you know sometimes you have to do a rewrite and that's very last minute but in general, you have like about a week to write the first draft, I would say. Maybe, yeah, about a week to write the first draft. And then you get tons of notes and then you rewrite and you get tons of notes and then you rewrite and then, you know, it's constantly, constantly changing. So, uh, yeah. So do you write, uh, I know that you collaborate and you write in a writer's group. But how does that work out in the script? I mean, do you take on this? Is there the lead writer and then you take all the input and then go and write it or how does that work with other writers okay so basically the way that it works is you have a showrunner who is in charge of the room they're running the room and they have final say on everything with the scripts but they assign certain scripts to to different writers so i would they would say to me okay you're writing episode 102 but we all break the story together so we all figure out what the story is as a group and that's the fun part. That's the brainstorming and figuring out what happens in Act 1 and Act 2 and where the plot twists are and all of that. So you do all of that together and, you know, joke pitches, all of that. And you just like you'll have someone who's writing it all down and taking notes. And then you go off on your own and you do the actual writing on your own. And then you bring your script and everyone gives you notes on your script with the showrunner being the person who makes the ultimate decision about things then you go off again and you write on your own. So that's sort of the way that it normally goes. Sometimes when things are up and running, this is something I didn't learn until I actually became a writer. The The person who gets credit for the script is just the person who got paid for the script, but they sometimes didn't write it. So it makes awards and things very interesting because like there, there are episodes that say written by Kate Hewlett, which are written by somebody else, but I got paid to write that script. And then there are other episodes that I wrote that don't have my name on them. So it's like super collaborative. So uh, explain um, that. Yeah. I don't understand. How? Why are you so getting for paid instance, for something you didn't write? Because you wrote one. So like if you wrote one episode, you get paid for one episode and your name is attached to that one episode. But sometimes, you know, occasionally it doesn't work. You don't have time to do that one. So you do a different one or the showrunner will say, can you do a full rewrite of this person's script because maybe they were newer 
or um, they didn't quite nail it or that you got a note from the network at the last moment that was like, what if we don't do that? And then you have to start all over again. So you're like, so they'll say you have two days to go write an, a brand new script, but the other person, their name is still on it. Okay. Because they were the original yeah. person assigned to it, even though if somebody else takes it over later, but then you'll yes. might take somebody else's over and then you get pulled. Oh, that's kind of a bummer though. If it's that episode that wins and you're like, I, I know, that. <laughs> I know. But usually what the showrunner does is the showrunner chooses which scripts to submit for awards and they will choose ones that were actually written by the person so that they're yeah so the right people are getting credit often but yeah it's an interesting thing and sometimes like there was one show i worked on where the showrunner took half of every script and so every single script was written by this person and kate hewlett or this person and so and so and they didn't write any of those scripts but they got paid for half the script so sometimes it's like a way to make money in a show that's not that doesn't have a high budget and you're not making much of a showrunner fee. Um, so yeah, it's it's really interesting. And so when you get brought on to a show, what what do you do to prepare? Do you watch like the especially if it's been going on for a while? Like, do you go and watch episodes? Yeah. How do you get yourself up and running in who these characters are? So something like Corner Gas which had been running for seasons and seasons and seasons. I watched a few episodes of the a few episodes of the live action one, but it was quite different from the animated one, so I watched every episode of the animated show and you make notes and you you make notes on the characters and their voices and you get the voices in your head a bit and uh what you kind of check out the structure of the episode a little bit um and you find it's like it's sort of like investigative work like how does this show work and how to how do they tell these stories and then you come up with your own pitches for for episode ideas and you bring those in now are you um do you have access to reading the the scripts for these shows to kind of get the style yes you can yes you can do that too okay yeah um it, it must be so wonderful it'd be so great if you know working on a film you could have a a you know a, a what is it a writer's room for the filmmaker because that would be so yeah. helpful to sometimes uh suss out your film with other people you know then then yeah. you just go and have the daunting writing but at least you know where you're going with it you know yes you know what was another really interesting i i worked on um you know coronation street so at one point, CBC was going to do a spinoff of, of Coronation Street and do a Canadian version that had some crossover with characters. And I was in the writing room for this and they flew us to Manchester oh. and we got to go and sit in. We saw the whole Coronation Street set and everything. And we got to sit in on the room and that's been running for like a thousand years. And so it had massive, massive table with all the writers and they had one person who was taking notes, but the note taker actually put together the beats of the story for you and sort of did like a mini outline. And then you would get that and you just had to do the fun part. Wow. And that was fascinating to me too. Cause it's like, that to me is the hardest part. Yeah. Is actually really figuring out that the, the mechanics of the story, that's the hardest part for me. Wow. So it's interesting. It's always different. Always a little different. Yeah. And how did you get in? How did you get your first TV gig? So it's, you know, um, 
Norman Jewison, who just passed away, uh, he created the the Canadian Film Center, and that's where I went. I I went there in 2010, uh, and I had not done any television writing before that. I had only do, done a, a few plays, and I wrote a TV script. I wrote two TV scripts in order to apply, and I got in, and that was it. That was the that was the beginning of it. And you you just meet everybody. I got my first writing gig before I had even finished the program and went right onto that. And I sort of, until COVID, I, 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 you know, I haven't stopped since. So, so, um, through that organization, you are pretty much in the pile of writers so that you can move from one television show to another pretty easily. It's very competitive now. And you know, there are a lot of programs and they're they're spitting out a lot of writers who now know what to do. And the pool is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and there's less and less work. Oh, so um, it's it's difficult to get work for a lot of people. Um, but I think, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky in Canada. There are not a lot of networks. There is not a lot of work and the same people get jobs over and over again. I've been lucky and I know that it's that it is luck in many situations. And, you know, also you form relationships. Um, there are people you want to work with over and over again. And I know when I put together a writer's room, I'm going to want to use certain people and I'm going to have to remind myself to meet other people and, and not just give the same people the jobs. But it's, it, when you find your people, you want to keep working with them. Well, that's the art of networking is, you know, the more that you put yourself out there and meet people, that's who who you're going to. But like you just said, the challenge is, is to go outside of that box. Absolutely. For a number of reasons, right? Because the other thing is when I started writing, I was almost always the only 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 female writer in the room. And that was kind of fun. Not going to lie. It's kind of fun when you're like, I'm the only female writer and I'm going to work twice as hard and, <laughs> you know, be twice as funny and prove this and prove that. And But I mean, it was looking back I'm like that's absurd the way that it was even in 2010 it was all white men who really looked the same had the same baseball cap and the same facial hair and it was like this is what television writers look like and it just inch by inch it started to change first with more female writers and now getting so much better with diversity and showing uh pictures of your writer's room that was something that started happening opening the doors a little bit and being like these are the writers because sometimes you're writing a super diverse show and the writers are all white yeah. and nobody knows that that's going on so i i think it's getting i think it's getting better uh it's weird right now because i feel like things are getting more divided as well i feel like they're i don't want to get into it too much but i i, I do feel like white men are having a resurgence oh. <laughs> it's like already <laughs> why is this happening uh it, it's weird i find that a little weird it's it's like things uh things got more and more and more diverse and then they segregated and now it's like okay to have an all-white writer's room again and i don't know why that's happening um I, and i find that weird and I, a lot of people at the top are still white men um yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I was just thinking about that on, you know, um, I'm on a lot of film sh sets and, 
you know, when I share pictures and stuff, I love to do BTS uh, pictures. And, you know, it, it's funny, the comments I, I have gotten is, wow, an all male crew. Oh, yeah. Or, wow, no diversity. Or, well, most of my sets definitely have diversity, but it is predominantly men and a couple females. Yeah. It's tough because it's just like you said, you know, you create your crew based on who you know and your go-tos and you tend to hire the same people unless they can't do yeah. it then maybe you start to go outside the group right but it's hard to change that and I was just thinking because I'm down in San Diego and I was thinking yeah I would love to hire more women crew but all the people I know are in LA and it's hard to you yeah. know ship them down here I think it's going to change but it's going to take time yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely changing and I just hope it start it keeps going in the right direction and doesn't doesn't just split off into like diverse shows and white shows. Right. I, I just hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. You just need more and more creators who are BIPOC, LGBTQ, uh female. You just need more people actually creating the shows and, and not constantly being teamed up with people um who aren't that as well. Right. So that that's very frustrating. I'm still being teamed up with people a lot and I'm like, I've been at this for a while. Yeah. I find it a lot better in the states, but I don't know. I I don't live there. I I've had a I've had a a much smoother ride on this AMC show. Working with AMC has been, you know, it's been a long process. We've been in development for a long time, but it's been a joy, and I feel respected. And my writing partner, you know, that he's relatively new to this, but it's his story, and they they respect his voice and what he brings to the table and. Yeah, it's just been, it's been, it's been good. Yeah. Well, change takes time, <laughs> years, lots of years, but um, I hope that we're getting somewhere uh, sooner than later. And then I thought what we could do to leave the show is, could you give me or give us three tips for aspiring writers out there? Yes. Am I allowed to swim? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so the best piece of advice I ever got was from a writer named Adam Barkin, who said, write the shit draft, write your shit draft. Do not keep going back and trying to fix the first three pages. Write the whole shit draft and finish the shit draft. Then you go back and you make it less shit. And then you go back and you make it even less shit. And by the time you have the least shitty draft, that's when you know you're ready. And I just love that because I think what stops people is thinking it has to be good. This has to be good. This scene has to be perfect. And it, and you stop. You end up just aborting the mission because you don't feel like you, you're good enough. Uh -huh. And, and you, it's hard work. It takes many, many, many drafts to make it good. So um, that's a, that's one would be another piece of advice i think doing a, a writing program if you if you're able to do that i think doing something like the film center or taking online classes with someone amazing Corey mandel um i haven't even done his classes but i heard the man speak for an hour and i was like changed my life so if you find good teachers and you can do an online class uh that's really helpful or a program for me that helped with deadlines and i guess also i would say don't be afraid to write your own stories and do something your way. And just remember that 
what you bring to the table is your own voice and your own unique perspective on things and don't try to mimic what other people are doing you know Uh i love it well thank you (laughs) thank you so much for being on the show today thank you for having me i really it's really nice to talk about um writing i usually do these for stargate (laughs) and i talk about being an actor on stargate so it's nice to do a, a writing one it's really nice Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to get out there and make a film. Reach out to your local filmmakers group to get involved and connect. Please subscribe to the show if you like it. And follow me on Instagram at Tammy McGarrow. Until we meet again, what's your story?